Welcome to the Ozone. Welcome to the Ozone. Welcome to the Ozone. Welcome to the Ozone. The voice of massive magic fans. Welcome back to another episode of the Ozone Podcast, the voice of magic fans. In the virtual studio today, we have Justin. Yo. Al. What's going on? Myself, Anthony, and we are coming off a two-game losing streak. Against the Pacers and against the Raptors. Super, super tough. Um, but before we get into the games, Al, you were um, you're, you were a virtual fan for the Pacers game, right? Actually, for the uh, game against the Kings. The Kings game. So sorry. The Kings game. Um, yes. How was that experience? Man, it was fun. It was fun. It was weird. But I would say it's fun. So number one, you have the live game feed. So you're actually now watching a few seconds behind, like on, on TV. Um, so that was kind of fun to watch the game and, and know what's happening at the moment. Um, and then the best part, too, is on the actual crowd, they had like the hype team from the Magic Games. They had two individuals that are part of that team that kept hyping us up. Um, so that was kind of cool. Throughout the whole game, it kind of felt like, hey, we have to keep uh, a good momentum going. We have to hype the team up. Um, and it was a great game to do so. We were spanking the Kings by 20 po- plus points a whole game. Um, so that was fun. So what, what do you be- what do you mean? Like there was uh, like another square with all of them there trying to hype everyone up. So think about it like you understand. So you have about five rows of fans that are virtually in that section with you. Mm-hmm. So imagine me, you, and Justin, three seats behind us. It would have been let's say Ariel, Wit, and Elise, and so forth. So there was about twenty people in in, our, in my room in those stands that that I was in. Um, and we can talk to each other. We can scream. And, you know, if a good play happens, we can scream and, and cheer on the team. Um, and then during timeouts, we can talk to each other, play trivia, whatever it was. Um, so that was kind of cool. Uh, but the best part really was before the game. It was a magic home game. So we got to do like the, the starting lineup and the player introductions and all that good stuff. Um, so it truly kind of felt like being at Amway, but not really in a different way. Um, but they really did a great job making it seem like, hey, we really want you to feel like you are there and you're supporting the team. Um, and like I said, timeouts, anything like that, really making sure that we had something to do, which was, again, playing trivia, doing giveaways. Um, so that was really, really fun. Because uh, the the Lakers game, I saw that little Wayne was trying to high five like a virtual person on the right side of him. So are you able to see who you're sitting next to? Yes. Yes, you can. So let's say from those in my group, there would have been, I don't know, uh, a famous person, whatever. You can definitely see who's in that room with you. Um, so think about it like being in a, in a group chat with a bunch of people. That's kind of how it feels. And you're sitting legit on seats. Like they have a, a background effect where you're in a seat sitting um, like you see it on TV. Um, so, again, it, it's not perfect by any means. But I think what they're trying to do is make sure that we're, number one, supporting the team. And number two, feeling like we are part of, you know, that, what's going on on the floor. Uh, so it was a really fun experience. Yeah, like uh, I was I was watching uh, it was a highlight that popped up on my Instagram feed and bro the the exact same the the cardboard from the MLB so when they hit a home run hit one of the cardboards knocked <laughs> it down and I'm looking at it I'm just like man the whole card I know we talked about it last episode but the whole cardboard thing is so yeah. whack so whack yeah. and I know that it'd be really difficult in the stadiums to kind of replicate that but again hats off to the NBA for for coming up with a way cuz you know, as as a as a viewer at home watching it, to me, it, lo- it still looks pretty dope. Like it, it looks like there's actual fans like watching. You know what I mean? Exactly. It took exactly. time. It took time to get used to it because at first, I think the virtual board kind of stood out. You know what I mean? Like it was like, oh, this is kind of weird. But I think the fact that they did that, where there's a live feed for the fans to watch while the game is happening, makes it so the reactions aren't delayed and everything is happening while. You know it's happening so while well, the fans reaction is happening while the game is happening and i think that makes it it gives it a different level of uh of like realness yeah and what they're saying is i'm not sure if it's true or not it's that when you let's say scream something or whatever the players can actually hear you in the arena i'm not sure how real that is because i know they have kind of fake noise going on they have music playing so but again if that is true that is kind of cool because they usually put you right behind the bench or behind the basket um of of your home team so let's say the magic in this case um and i believe my section was right behind their bench so mm. you know something nice happened in the game you're screaming whatever i guess them hearing you it's a cool experience uh, but again not sure if that's really true or not 
but it would be pretty cool. Do you know by any chance how many like people are allowed in or how many does it does it give you like a count of how many fans are in there? Yeah, so usually like like a real game, usually at the beginning of the game, people are not quite there or they're still kind of fixing getting their technology to work. They tell you to be there about 30 minutes before the game. Most mm. people don't do that. Like in real games, they get there after tip off. <laughs> um, so you'll see pretty much when the game starts, a lot of empty seats. But as the game gets going, it gets more full. Um, but yeah, it's about 20 people per section, I think it is. Um, okay. So you multiply that times what? Four or five screens they have. So it's about maybe 50, 75 fans they allow to, to be on this. Okay. And then lastly, lastly, for that experience, do you hear the fans? Like, do you hear the other yes. fans that are in with you? Yeah. You can talk to each other. You can, like and say, you can high-five each other in a way. You can kind of make the, 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 the sign. You're high-fiving someone. Um, but yeah, you can talk to each other in timeouts. You can kind of talk about everything that's going on uh, during the game. Oh, you messed up for not wearing a chicken suit or a banana suit because they were getting all the attention. <laughs> Funny you're saying that. So I told my wife that I'm like, hey, if I if I get invited again, I'm gonna do something silly uh, because again, that's what gets attention on TV. Um, even dogs, I guess people are bringing dogs now and they're getting all the attention. <laughs> so I have a dog. I can bring my dog to the game. <laughs> you know, I will yeah. say, out of all of the virtual. Uh, fans, I've seen Shaq make appearances on various teams' uh, virtual boards. He was even on the Suns today. Uh, so I would expect him to be on an Orlando game at some point. Shaq, show Orlando some love, please. <laughs> he should. And Shaq, Shaq don't want nothing to do with the Magic. <laughs> <laughs> he was he was around the organization when we honored him and gave him a Hall of Fame. And he was doing the whole um, This Magic Moment documentary. And then that was it. Dude was out. That's it. <laughs> but um, so we're we're four games in, right? So we got four more games left of the the kind of finishing out the season. As long as we kind of you know win enough games to where we avoid the the play in tournament, um, and so playoffs is around the corner. And right now we we have a contest going on to kind of get you know one lucky fan prepared for the playoffs where they can really win a jersey of their choice from NBA.com um, that we are giving out. You can choose the player. You can choose choose the uh, the jersey. Um, Al, do you want to give a little details of how that's working? Yeah, so pretty much um, we posted it all over social media, Twitter, Instagram, Reddit, Facebook. It's really everywhere. Um, so like you mentioned, the whole goal behind it is, hey, the playoffs are around the corner. We want to have our fans showing support for the Magic. Um, and what better way to do so? Also, hard times out there going on right now. We know a lot of people right now are not working. There's a lot of stuff going on. So just to add a little bit of, of, of fun to our Magic fans and, and a little reward for doing our contest, it is the, that free jersey. Any color, any style, any player. Um, so if you haven't heard about it, go to our social media accounts, Instagram, Twitter, and find out more about it. Um, pretty simple. It's a few steps we're asking you to do as a listener. Um, it's simply reply to our post with three, tagging three friends uh, that are also Magic fans, hopefully. Um, follow our pages in social media. Leave a five-star review on Apple Podcast. We have the link on our page on Instagram. We also have it on Twitter within the post. And finally, um, reply or send us proof of that comment uh, being placed on Apple Podcast. That's what guarantees your spot in the contest. Um, I've seen many fans that have replied, followed us, but haven't done that piece of it. So I'm reaching out to them individually to take care of it. Um, and then that's it. We'll be uh, picking a winner next week. Actually, good idea. We can record it live next week. Uh, I'll see recording uh, who that winner will be. And we'll announce it again on social media next week. Um, and then again, we'll reach out to them, ask the player they want, the color they want, and, uh, and go from there. And, and we'll be ready for the playoffs at that point. Also, you can, um, if you don't follow us on social media, where you can find that contest to get it done is on Instagram at the Ozone Pod. Um, also, Orlando Magic HQ and the Zone BB. Uh, so any of those, any of those uh, ats you can go to uh, and enter the contest. Win yourself a jersey and uh, root the Magic on during the playoffs because regardless of this two-game losing streak, we are still going to make the playoffs um, and we need all the fan engagement we can get. Yeah, and if you do not win, do not get discouraged. We've gotten a lot of really good feedback from this contest, so um, definitely be on the lookout for the next one because I'm, I'm sure we'll be doing more for sure. Oh, yeah, but for sure. with that being said, if you were the winner, right, if you can win one free Magic jersey of your choice, which jersey would it be and which player would you get? Ooh, I'm going to go old school just because I don't have one. 
and that would be Penny Hardaway, blue pinstripes, Orlando Magic Ooh, jersey. Oh, Mitchell and Ness, you're you're dropping about like what two fifty, three hundred for that jersey? <laughs> hey, <laughs> I was sold this any jersey, right? <laughs> <laughs> okay, not bad. Yeah, for for me, um, I don't know. That's a good question. I I would probably stay stay new. Um, and just get an Evan Fournier jersey, but you know, no, oh, of course yeah. you would. Yeah, <laughs> that's my that's my guy. That's my guy. He signed one for me. I'll get this one signed too. Hang him up in my house, and uh, we'd be living happy. Yeah. So right now, I got I got a T Mac jersey. I got about two folds jerseys. Um, I have the uh, City Edition. Um, I got the Orange City Edition. I got a Mo Bamba from last year's City Editions with the stars. Um, I got a couple throwbacks, but the one that I really don't have any of the are modern um, pinstripes. Like, I'm a big fan of the black uh, jersey with the blue pinstripes, and I'll probably get a J.I. Yeah. jersey, 100%. Yes. Got to support hey, I'll be, boy. I'll be honest. If we ever do another jersey giveaway, we could just go into Ant's closet and get one oh, of those yeah. to give out since he has so many. <laughs> Yo, not for, not for nothing, man. All my jerseys are large and... And through this quarantine, the large aren't paying me the same, man. So we might we might just have to. <laughs> um, but let, let's talk about the games this past week. All right. So we we obviously started off rocking in the bubble with a win against the Nets, one twenty eight to one eighteen. Took another win against the Kings, one thirty two, one sixteen. Unfortunately, this was a game um, that you know Jonathan was was injured, um, and that's obviously the game that you were a part of through your your virtual experience. I kind of feel like Stan Van Gundy kind of jinxed us a little bit. He went on Twitter to say that, man, you know, keep an eye on the teams that are undefeated. Name dropped the magic in there. Shout out to Stan Van Gundy. And then it just kind of went downhill from there. The minute we lost J.I., the minute we lost J.I., it was kind of like the whole entire team. Like, you can see them afterwards. Like, you know, even even when we were up by, like, 30, it just didn't it didn't feel right. It didn't feel like a win mm-hmm. afterwards. You know, we were definitely, in my opinion, we were definitely the losers of that game just because we, we already got so used to Jonathan Isaac playing and what he brings to the team, the level of, of, of defensive um, aggressiveness this guy has, like he really does change the dynamic on both ends of the four fours. And it seems like the minute that we lost him, it just changed completely. That, that took us, you know, it, it really hurt one, our second unit because he was kind of leading that with, with, um, Markel Fultz, you know, we took a hard loss against the Pacers, 120-109, which lost another player, MCW, injured. And then a loss against the Raptors, 109-99. And this is um, the same game where where Aaron Gordon got injured off of uh, a, a drive to the basket, got hit in the air when he was trying to slam it on Kyle Lowry and then kind of got knocked down. So uh, what, what were your thoughts on these last four games and and what do you, what do you think so far? I'm going to keep it short and simple just because I do want to move on to the Jews and talk more about J.I. Um, again, we started so well. We started playing basketball in a way that, honestly, it felt unreal. I'm like, this cannot be our magic team. It's too good to be true. Um, you know, scoring 128, 132 points in back-to-back games, blowing both teams out. But then again, we did predict, and N and I actually predicted last week that we were going to win those two games. Actually, you too, Justin, the three of us predicted those two games to be wins. So that was expected. Um, unfortunately, losing J.I., then we turn into the better teams, the Pacers, the Raptors. And like you mentioned, we, we look nothing like the team that we looked like two days before. Uh, we were spanked by 20 by the end of the first quarter in both cases. And then after that, we kind of kept up, tried to make comebacks, and it just didn't happen. Um, but in the process, losing MCW, losing Gordon, um, you know, it, it was too much for us to handle. And on top of that, I think mentally the team hasn't gotten over the fact that we lost J.I. still once again. Um, so, I mean, two, two tough losses there. We have a tough game against Philly Friday. Another tough one on Sunday against the Celtics. So, I'm a little concerned about the team right now. Um, but, again, we started so well. The potential is there. It's just can we keep it going now to finish the season and, of course, into the playoffs. Orlando is a team um, that because we're young – I think we like we're impacted a lot, and I say we're, but the team is impacted a lot um, based on narrative, and I, I feel like I'm starting to see that. Um, you know, starting off the first three games of the seeding um, games and scoring 120 and above is Im- super impressive, especially for uh, a team who the entire like first 
third of the, the season, the criticism was we couldn't break like 100 points. So it's impressive to be able to score 128, 132, 120. What I noticed from the Raptors game, though, is that, so first of all, we only lost by 10 points, right? 99-109, which is not bad considering how badly we played that entire game. Uh, but one thing that I, I noticed is Coach Clifford, when he was interviewed for the Pacers game, and he was asked about what his game plan was for the Pacers and, and Toronto because it would be a back-to-back, he specifically stated that they take a one-game-at-a-time approach and that they don't necessarily look at who the next opponent is until it's time to face the next opponent. And I think that probably contributed to the Magic losing. I think when you don't necessarily devise a game plan for a team until it's time for you to play them, I think that there's certain things that you may have missed um, that you didn't account for in your game planning. Um, and I think that could have contributed to, you know, Orlando losing that game. Yeah, I think it's tough because a, a team like the Pacers, where they're kind of on the the in between the fourth, fifth, sixth seed around there, right? They're a team where we would imagine that the Magic should be at right now. We imagine that we should be where, where they're at. And I think that for the Pacers, that game was a really good test to kind of see, you know, if we're legit. And we kind of missed a mark, man. I, I feel like, you know, we really got destroyed by TJ Warren. I get he had a big game of 50-plus points. I get that he had a 30-point game afterwards. Like, I, I get that he's playing better, right? In my opinion, he's still worth cash considerations. Like, I'm not, I'm, <laughs> I'm upset that we really got stomped by TJ Warren. Um, at, at the same time, you know, it, it is what it is. You know, we, we took a hard hit by the Pacers and the Raptors. Um, we obviously got hit by the injury bug, but we can't sit around and cry about it. We got to go out there and, and do something, right? Um, so transitioning in, into the juice. Jonathan Isaac tears ACL on his left knee. He's out for the remainder of the season and all of next season. So what exactly does this mean for the future of the Orlando Magic with no Jonathan Isaac? So he's presumably out for the rest of next season as well, right? There hasn't been an official statement made saying that he is out of the, the 2020-2021 I mean, season. Based on most recent ACL injuries, it's 12 months recovery. So if you put that into perspective, that means that he'll be coming back sometime August of next year. By then, the NBA Finals are going to be playing. So we won't see J.I. next year. And knowing this front office, how they're, they're so careful with their players... It might be two years before you see. Yeah, it might might be two years for sure. Um, No, but yeah, so that injury was, um, I was telling you guys before, it didn't really, it didn't really hit me when, when J.I. got injured because I think it's a combination of the the fact that um, he's been injured before, right? His last injury was a knee injury um, and we've kind of gotten accustomed to seeing J.I. injured, which Sucks to say, but it has been the reality for the time that he has been in Orlando. Um, And then, Al, I know you're going to bring this up as well, but Al brought up, you know, the similarity between J.I.'s injury and Derrick Rose's injury and that they were both kind of performing a pro hop, if I'm not mistaken, right? And they both Mm -hmm. got injured in the same fashion. It it sucks to see, man. J.I. is so young and he's, he's one of those guys that, you know, he was criticized for standing up during the national anthem and then... He explained that it was because of his religious belief, right? His his belief in the gospel being kind of the salvation for the world. Um, and to see somebody like that get injured again, it's just heartbreaking. But what I saw from J.I. that was motivational um, was just his, his, his perseverance, right? His attitude about the entire injury and knowing that, you know, he there is a bigger plan for him and not, not allowing this setback to kind of dictate and determine what his mind state is. And I think that's that's humbling from a fan perspective as a man. It's humbling to see somebody be, you know, that kind of humble and, and, and self, you know, like centered and focused in what it is that his mission is. Um, so all of those things combined, I just feel like J.I. is going to come back and he's he's probably going to be, you know, a strong player. I think a lot of it is mental. Like, obviously, the physical is there's an impact. He tore his ACL. But I think a lot of recovery and and gaining mobility and doing those things through physical therapy is mental. And if there's anybody strong enough to, to, to do those things, Jonathan Isaac is the guy. 
Yeah, I mean, in my case, um, like you mentioned, and that was the game that I was a virtual fan, and things kind of went from we're celebrating, we're having fun, we're beating the Kings by 20 plus, the bench is in, Markel is playing well, so is J.I., and then you see him fall. And man, again, when I tell you, it was kind of nice to be in that room with all 20 other people watching the game all at once, because we all reacted the same way. My reaction was, I put my head down, I held my head for about five minutes, and I legit did not move for five minutes. Unlike Justin, I knew, like, I don't know what it was, but I knew the way he landed, how he fell and grabbed his knee right away. I just knew I'm like, oh, crap, here we go again. Like, we, we just lost him again. My initial reaction was he heard something that he had heard before, something similar to his previous injury. But, man, once I saw the, the, the stretcher coming out and all this stuff, oh, I'm sorry, another stretcher, the, uh, wheelchair. the wheelchair was brought out. I'm like, this is not good. Um, and then, of course, the reaction of the teammates. So he must have said, I heard something pop or something among those lines. And people just knew at that point what that meant. Um, but to answer the question, I mean, it's tough to say. Um, the Orlando Magic, I think, rely heavily on what J.I. can bring to this team. Um, before he went down in January, we were not playing our best basketball at that point. Um, but you can definitely see when J.I. is on the court, man, and now with Markel playing well, this team is different. You're pushing the pace. You're attacking. And that, that charge being led by these two young guys that are 22 years old. The future just all of a sudden, you want to watch the games to see what these guys are going to do every single night. All of a sudden, you take away half of that. And now you say, okay, Markel is back on you again. But you know we have limits. There's a limit to how good we can be without J.I. Um, so to answer the question, the only positive that I, I thought of this, which kind of sucks in a way, is the financial aspect of it. Um, it reminded me of Stephen Curry with the Warriors when he first got hurt, all those ankle injuries, and the Warriors brought him back at a cheap contract. That allowed them to go out and get Andrew Bogart. That allowed them to go out and get Andre Godala and keep building around the young, the young team. When Steph came back 100% healthy and never got hurt again, that team just blew up and became the Warriors that we know. So that could be the only positive here is that we can bring back J.I. for a $60 million contract instead of 110, 120, 100, whatever that number was going to be for him. And we can build around now, again, the young guys and have a veteran come in now that can help us with hopefully some shooting because we need it badly. Um, but, I mean, right now, as we're talking about this, man, it hurts. Thinking about it right now, the three of us, it's painful because, we, like you said, Justin, we know how amazing of a guy J.I. is. Um, and we saw his stories on Instagram today. The guy is super positive, going to physical therapy, doing all the right things day one. Um, it, I mean, again, as a fan, it sucks, but you couldn't be prouder of the way he's taking it, how he's handling it, because it is not easy. But I definitely expect him to be 100% healthy when he comes back and, and, and help the team in the way that we know he can. I think the uh, the bright spot um, of it all is is the fact that he is in good spirits, like you mentioned. Um, and for a person that that stood up when everyone was kneeling and had the platform to be able to tell the national media that it was due to his his faith, his religious beliefs, and whatnot, um, and then for you know the game after for him to have a knee injury, um, it you know mm. that that could that can really shake up anyone's faith. And for him, for him to still stand strong on it, you know, really goes to show the, the type of person that he is, how strong he is, um, and, and his leadership capabilities as well. So, I mean, prayers prayer to J.I. for sure. Um, when he went down, I kind of feel like the whole entire, like, city of Orlando just went quiet for, like, a second. And then it kind of followed up with every single curse word in, in the vocabulary of the English language, right? Because mm-hmm. I, I, was, I was upset. We were texting back and forth, like... It was just it was just a really upsetting evening, especially in a game where everything was going our way. Everything was perfect. We were hitting every shot. We were destroying the Kings completely. Like if you were even watching like the the Kings social media, they were clowning them own self. Like they were you know, they knew that this game was a wrap. And again, yep. for it to end the way that it ended was was really tough. Him holding his knee, him being carried out in, in a wheelchair was really, really tough to watch. Yeah, I think what epitomized the significance of J.I.'s injury more than anything was just how shaken up A.G. was uh, talking to Dante after the game. Right. Um, it was just, you know, it, it drained the energy out of everyone because, every, you know, they, when you're on a team and you have a guy who, again, has suffered through injury and for his return to be as spectacular as it was, um, 
it was just incredible to see, you know, and then to lose that same guy on a night where he's having a good game that he has been having, it just sucks overall. And then it, it doesn't stop. So, you know, the following game, we end up losing MCW. Um, and then Aaron Gordon goes out um, the, the following game after that. So um, Gordon, they're actually taking day by day. So he's not out indefinitely or anything like that. So um, it looks like they're going to rest him up a little bit just to make sure that it's, it's more precaution-based. But MCW is, is still planning to be out. How much are we going to miss MCW? How much does that hurt our, our second union? Our second unit, and then, you know, what what are your fears with Aaron Gordon? Man, I think um, MCW is the, that one guy that we have that you know is going to give you 120 percent effort every single night. Um, and when you're playing these games that mean something, you're heading into the playoffs. You want to have these guys 100 percent. Those guys that are going to battle the, the one dudes and MCW, um, but especially MCW, he has a, a larger role in the team right now. Um, he's going to be missed heavily. I mean, hopefully he can play tomorrow. I don't think he's out officially of the game against um, Philly or, or the Celtics. Um, Gordon, though, scary because it is a hamstring, and, and, and hopefully so, it's only precautionary that they're doing this. Um, but it does concern you because he does rely on, on his athleticism. He does rely on his speed. Um, and if you guys have had a hamstring injury before, that limits your ability to move around and jump around. Um, so hopefully they're okay. Thankfully, it was nothing worse because when um, Gordon landed, I like Justin said earlier during before we started recording, I really thought it was his knee. And I'm like, oh, my God, we, we cannot lose AG and JI in back-to-back games uh, to knee injuries. Um, but hopefully they'll be back soon, healthy, and ready for the playoffs. So a- AG was, was driving to the lane. It looked like he was going to slam it all over Kyle Lowry. Kyle Lowry um, makes a non-basketball move. Hits Aaron Gordon on the arm, almost cocks his arm back, slaps him in the arm where the ball wasn't anywhere near. Kind of looked like he almost tried grabbing his arm and really gave him a really tough foul to stop him from dunking on him. Um, do you, uh, Justin, you had mentioned that you didn't really feel like that should have been a flagrant one. Yeah, um, I don't know. The more like the more times I watch it, I feel like my perspective changes back and forth between yes, it was, no, it wasn't. Um, Kyle Lowry did jump. I don't know. His arm wasn't fully raised, but then also aid the ball was on AG's left side when he was going up, so it felt like Kyle might have over jumped and then was trying to readjust. I don't know. I ultimately I don't know what Kyle Lowry's intentions were. I know that it was a bad foul. Regardless of the fact, I just don't know if he was intentionally trying to hurt AG um, or if that was just a byproduct of sloppy, you know, of sloppy defensive um, attempt. I really don't know which one it is because uh, I'm not in his head. But initially from looking at it, I didn't think, oh, Kyle Lowry's purposely trying to hurt Aaron Gordon. Yeah, I mean, um, I think Anthony, me and you both kind of feel different about that. Um, and for good reason. I think Twitter was going off. Everywhere that I've seen the play, the comment session afterwards uh, are, you know, going off on the fact that Lowry, uh, it was a dirty play. You know, there was no intention to block the shot. There was no, no intention on stopping AG and contesting the shot. It was a simple matter of fact of hacking him, which understandable, but not in that matter, man. I mean, the guy's in the air, no balance whatsoever, going for a big dunk. So are you saying that Kyle Lowry analyzed the situation, understood that AG was in the air and attacked AG? He understood no. that Aaron Gordon is the people slam dunk champion and he wasn't trying yeah. to be on no one's poster. That's what he understood. I don't think he meant to hurt him. Like, I don't think he meant to say, hey, you're going to land it and, you know, have a major injury. But I think the foul itself was uncalled for. In a play like that, you either contest a shot and go straight up for the block or you let the guy go at that point. But you don't just throw, a, you know, a haymaker and hope to just hit the guy. Because, again, AJ's a big guy in the air. Um, just not a, not a safe place by any means. And, of course, the, the refs called it a, a fragrant one. In my opinion, it should have been a fragrant two. And, I mean, you saw how even Dante Marcantelli and these guys were on Twitter afterwards. Like, they were not happy at all at that play. AG himself was trying to go after Kyle Lowry afterwards. Um, so that tells you a lot. The Magic are not known to react in that fashion, but the play called for it. So I think that's a good distinction because um, just then, I like you said, I don't think, I don't think Kyle Lowry was – purposely trying to hurt AG. I think that AG getting hurt was a byproduct of Kyle Lowry being irresponsible with his block attempt. Yeah, but I think at the same time, the uh, 
the act doesn't have to be on purpose. So the definition of a flagrant one is a flagrant foul is a personal foul that involves excessive or violent contact that could injure the foul player. A flagrant foul may be unintentional or purposeful. So right. it, it's not it's not it's not like Aaron Gordon's injury from that from that play was his arm where there was contact from Kyle Lowry is the fact that AG was mid air. And when a player is in mid air and with that much force and that much contact, it's really unpredictable um, the situation because there's no balance, there's no control. Now you have a player that's in the air, no control. He ends up falling hard, and that's where his leg kind of extended high, and then that's where the the injury came from. Yeah, and that that movement that he made, uh, in which in which he hurt his hamstring, was to try to get some balance while he was in the air, and that's what led to that injury. So again, it could have been worse because when he landed, like I said, that knee didn't land 100% safely either. So imagine that. Imagine if in that play he something bad happens in that in, the, in, the, in his knee. So thankfully, it was only that. He should be fine for the playoffs. But man. Um, Again, we just cannot catch a break right now. Now, what I loved to see was uh, was a bark from Aaron going afterwards. Like he yes. he didn't care. He was trying to go after Kyle Lowry. Obviously, there's a big size disadvantage. Kyle Lowry was trying to tell him, "Yo, you can come meet me in my room." Blah blah blah. Listen, Kyle Lowry does one doesn't want that problems from from AJ. No. All right, one like no, he just doesn't. Two, you should never give another man your room number. That's number two. <laughs> <laughs> Three, AG, the play after, demanded that ball, Oof. took the ball down in low post, bodied his way into the in, into the paint and, and got his play, got his score in. So um, I'm, I'm actually looking forward to, to see angry AG because angry AG is a problem, major problem. So, so with that being said, we're going to jump into our, our passer shoot. Um, obviously, we've had our... Uh, not necessarily a rival, a rivalry with the Raptors, but we've had our our share back and forths. So, are the Raptors in the Magic Head, and should we aim to finish in the eighth seed instead to play the Bucks? Should we be avoiding the Raptors? So, if you listen to our recording last week, I said I wanted to face the Raptors, right? And we had a G, uh, we had a healthy team number one, but we had Ji at that point. All of a sudden, I'm going to flip the story 100% and, and do a 180 here. Just because watching the game yesterday, and our announcers said this multiple times, it just looks like the Raptors are in the magic head. It seems like whenever we play them, Vucevic already knows I cannot play against Gasol. We know we cannot have anybody out there guarding Siakam. So to answer your question, yes, I'm going to shoot on that. I think that the Raptors are in our head right now. We, we cannot find a way to beat them. When you take away Vucevic, who's our number one scoring option, and he becomes not useful, to say a, a, say a nice way, then what do we have? We have a game like yesterday in which we score 85 points, 90 points, and that's not good enough in today's NBA. You're not going to win that game. Um, so if... If I was the Magic, honestly, just to try a different look, something different heading into the playoffs, I would not mind finishing the eighth seed. We don't have Isaac. Let's play the books and try something different. So, you know, you know, it's funny because last week I said I'd rather play the Bucks, right? You did. Um, you did. And then I watched and then I watched the Bucks versus Miami today, right? <laughs> and Miami, Miami was outplaying Milwaukee in every sense of the, the word, right? And and in late in the fourth quarter, the Bucks go on a 20-plus point run <laughs> on Miami. Giannis gets entirely unleashed, unstoppable. This man is spinning around defenders, taking two steps and just slamming it, grabbing alleys and slamming them just... He just looked unstoppable, and that was against Bam Adebayo, who is pretty athletic, good defender, good scorer, and he couldn't do anything against Giannis when Giannis was actively trying to get his bucket to get the the Bucks a win. Um, after seeing how badly we played against Toronto and only falling to them by ten points when they had a healthy roster, everybody was playing for them. I don't know. I think I'm I'm back on the on the Orlando versus <laughs> Toronto wagon. It's so crazy, right? Because I think that that just goes to kind of further detail how like 
up and down this Orlando Magic team is. How sometimes we can look so great. They're like, you know what? I'll take I'll take our chances against the number one team in the entire NBA. Um, but then other times it's like, okay, well, obviously our defense is struggling and um, we don't want to go against Giannis. So I, this week, and it might change again next week, I don't know, but this, this week I'm, I'm liking our chances against Toronto in the playoff series. Yeah, I mean, listen, we were, we were terrible against the Raptors. Terrible. We played bad. We only lost by 10 points. I do not want anything to do with, with Giannis. To me, Giannis is still the MVP of the league, still one of the best players. Like, you do not want to go against a player like that in the first round of the playoffs, period. And I feel with the Raptors, the Raptors, they have a lot of really good role players. I feel Pascal Siakam, although he's an all-star, I, I still don't see, like, I, I don't see us, granted, they're, they're a better team. They are really well coached. I just feel like we have a better shot at the Raptors um, than we do Milwaukee. And this is against, you know, a, a team where we shot, we shot 26.8% from the three-point line against yep. the Raptors. We, for the most part, we we do a better job actually. Evan couldn't hit a shot. Terrence Ross couldn't hit a shot. We were just playing terrible all around, and we didn't lose by that much. And that's without Ag in the second half, um, who barely played in the second half because he he got injured. And that's without Jonathan Isaac. Obviously, he won't he won't be a part um, of our roster going to the playoffs. But I feel like you know we can definitely still compete with the Raptors. Will we win? That's a different story. But um, I'm definitely sticking with Toronto in in the first round of the playoffs over Milwaukee. I'm now, with you as of right now. Now, with, th- with that being said, and Justin, you're going to really like this topic. So, pass or shoot, would the Magic, because right now there is a player on our roster that is struggling heavy, right? And it kind of feels like it's been a struggle for a very, very, very long time. Out of our core, so when I when I mean our, our core, I'm not talking about J.I., I'm not talking about Markel Foles, I'm talking... Evan Fournier, Nikola Vucevic, Aaron Gordon. Out of those three players, not even out of those three players, Evan Fournier, if the Magic didn't have Evan Fournier, would we still make the playoffs or would we miss? Um, <clears throat> so obviously this isn't a surprise to everyone, you know, my fandom for Evan Fournier, but I think we wouldn't miss the playoffs without Evan Fournier. Um, You're crazy. This is, this is because when... I think I think that the fan base sometimes is is guilty of being prisoners of the moment. Um, And I think it's easy to put the blame on a player when that player specifically is struggling and not kind of analyze the entire team um, and how they're playing together. But when I look at Evan Fournier's season stats, um, I'm looking at 18.4 points per game, shooting 46.8 percent from the field. 2.6 2.6 rebounds, 3.2 assists. I just, I don't know. I don't see, I don't see him being a problem overall. Is he struggling right now? Yes. Are we three games into, um, you know, the the seeding games after being off since March? Does that play a role into his physical fitness and how he's keeping up? Of course. Um, you know, he's he's the type of guy that shoots threes a lot. And that takes, you know, kind of leg power. It takes conditioning. It takes a lot of different aspects of the game that aren't as simple as, oh, your shot is just gone. Uh, so I think the longer the, the, the Magic play, the better Evan will be. Um, and I think he'll prove his value like he has done since he's been here. Evan is one of those guys, as much as we want to hate on him, he had a down season last year. But every year he's progressed statistically uh, while playing for this Magic team. So I do think if Evan was not on this roster, the Magic would uh, struggle to make the playoffs. Um, I'm going to disagree. So I'm going to pass on that. And just based on facts, I mean, when, you, when we've seen Fournier not play, the Magic have a winning record right now. And not for nothing, but I mean, on the defensive end, he's struggled big time this season. I, I don't know. Like, he has his moments where he plays good defense and he looks like he can compete on the defensive end. But in the bubble specifically, he has not been giving a damn on that end of the floor. Um, somebody on Twitter said yesterday, James Harden's like difference. Like it, it, people are just blowing by him. Um, if you told me that we put Annie Wondu 
a Terrence Ross slides into the starting two position for the Magic, I don't think it makes a significant difference. Like, I feel like our team will look the same. Um, the effort will be there. Now, our shooting is my only concern. Evan at least is a threat to shoot a three ball. But if you put Ross in there, he can hit that three-point that three shot. So, um, so, I don't know. Like, I think what he brings to the table as a player is not enough to impact us in a negative way that we will miss the playoffs. So, um, I'm just trying to understand. So, you're saying we could replace Evan with Terrence Ross in the starting lineup, right? And then what? Just Evan come off the bench or is Evan no longer on the team? Because if Evan is no, no longer... No, we're talking about... Yeah, we're talking about just the player not being with the team anymore. So if you take away Fournier from the Magic completely. Yeah, if you take Fournier away from the Magic and you put Terrence Ross in the starting lineup, what happens to the 15-plus points that Terrence Ross gives you off the bench in combination with Evan's 18? Like, I, I understand yeah. that there's frustration um, as to who Evan is as a player and what he has been producing. But when you look at his stats, right, and you compare it to other shooting guards in the league, there's not that big of a difference. So it's like... You get rid of Evan, you replace him. Who would you? Who is somebody that would come to mind to you to replace Evan Fournier on this roster? If you say Terrence Ross for the starter, okay, who do we bring in to play shooting guard off the bench? J.J. Redick, Seth Curry, Joe Harris, heck, Jamal Crawford for one year. Anyone that has a heart a heartbeat and can shoot the three ball. Like, <laughs> Interesting. I just feel so, like <laughs> so anyone with a heartbeat who can shoot the three ball, which is exactly what Evan Fournier does. <laughs> none of those guys are statistically better. I'm talking about from a meaningful perspective, better than Evan Fournier. So I'm just confused. I, I think that there's a narrative about Evan on this team, and I think people follow that narrative because it's easy to do so, especially when you're seeing him currently struggle. But when, again, when you look at Evan's career throughout his time in Orlando, there has to be more respect given to this man. I don't. I don't think it's it's just a narrative that Magic fans just created out of the blue. I, I think a lot of it has to do with this player has been with us for what six seasons now, and we haven't been that great for a majority of the time. I think it's no matter no matter how you look at it, you still look at Evan Fournier as the player that Rob Hennigan chose over Victor Oladipo. That's what it is. You add that also with the amount of money that we're paying him and you have now expectations of Evan Fournier to ball out on a consistent basis. Now, if we're talking about will we make the playoffs without Evan Fournier, I think so. I think between him, Vucevic, and Aaron Gordon, Evan Fournier is the odd man now. And it's not it's not just because his contract is coming up. Um, it's not because we pay him an X amount of, of money. I just find that this team is way more valuable with Aaron Gordon and Vucevic on the team more so than Evan Fournier. Now, I'm not discrediting his his 18 points a game that he's averaging for this season. I'm not discrediting the fact that he's averaging um, shooting 40% uh, from the three-point line for the whole entire season. I'm not discrediting that at all. But if you're asking me if we would still make the playoffs without Evan Fournier, hell yeah. Obviously, you're going to need to find a replacement. Um, but next man up, I feel like Terrence Ross, he he still is able to, to, to contribute um, on a basis. It honestly does depend on who we bring in to kind of help out the second unit. Um, but I'm I'm me personally, I'm tired of Evan Fournier. I'm ready to move on, boy. <laughs> like, give me give me somebody else. And listen. I, I was on the I was on the wagon in the beginning of the season where I was surprised like Evan Fournier is balling out. There's not too many shooting guards out there that's better than Evan Fournier. But at some point you have to try. I would find it very, very discouraging and disappointing if we go into the NBA draft and we don't get our shooting guard. Very, very disappointing. Because at some point you have to look at our roster and you have to make a decision. And I feel like this front office hasn't done that yet. They haven't made a full decision on what it is that they want to do. And the time's coming. It's only a matter of time. Yeah, and I mean, if you make the decision to, to, to again, move on from Fournier, of course, you got to get somebody else. We're not going to just trade him for nothing or give him up for nothing. Um, so that's the scenario that I'm playing in my head, is if you replace him with someone else to come off the bench or whatever it is, like you said, and I don't see a reason why this team will not make the playoffs. And and don't don't get me wrong. Evan Fournier is a baller, right? At, at the same time, I, listen, I'm, I'm sure that he's willing to look other places also. Like it's at, at some point, you got to realize that, hey, the relationship ain't working, and we both need to part ways. Bye. <laughs> 
Oh man, I think that's the that's the point that we disagree on whether the relationship is working or not. But I was letting you guys know earlier in our group message thing is if we had guys who could contribute offensively on a regular basis, the emphasis on Evan Fournier not dropping 22 plus points per game would be less. The fact of the matter is that we have an Orlando Magic team that is struggling offensively, regardless of the fact that we scored over 120 points uh, over the last three games. We are struggling offensively. That has been one of the criticisms of this team for a long time. When you place the offensive burden on your shooting guard, right, and there's, with the exception of Vooch, everything else you can't count on because it changes dramatically from game to game. It's like, is Evan the problem or is the offensive production for the entire team the problem? And I think that's why I don't, um, that's why I refuse to say that Evan Fournier is the problem. Because when you look at the stats, like I was saying, the Evan is toward the top of the scorers on this Orlando Magic team season, you know, in and out each season. So I just I, I don't understand the, the narrative. Um, do I understand that when you have a player somewhere for six years and you're not getting any closer to title contention, then changes have to be made? That's an argument that I am willing to concede to. Uh, but the idea that Evan Fournier is not, you know, a good player or a high level player, I don't I don't buy that for a moment. I don't think that's true. And and for the most part, you know, you you have fans that they, they talk trash and they're going to say that Evan Fournier this, Evan Fournier that. Uh, again, at the same time, I'm not saying that he's not a good player. I'm just saying that this team is it gets to a point that you have to move on. You have to make a decision. And with his contract being the one that's coming up first, I definitely think that he he is that guy. Um, but, I, you know, time will tell. We'll see. I, I You know, I always wonder what this roster would look like if we had a high-caliber high caliber player where Evan Fournier, Nikola Vucevic, Aaron Gordon aren't asked to do what it is that they do. Because right now it kind of seems as if there's a confusion. Evan Fournier is expected to be the best player on the team. Nikola Vucevic is expected to be the best player on the team. Uh, Aaron Gordon is expected to, to do the exact same thing. But I wonder what those roles would be if you had a player like Bradley Beal on this roster where now we're not expecting Kevin <clears throat> Fournier to go out and drop 25 points and then get frustrated because he's not doing it. What if he's just that player that's off in the corner and just hitting open jump shots? What if he's that player that's coming off the bench? Now you're changing this guy's role to where he would be way more effective because then the question could be asked, well, if Evan Fournier was playing on another team, would he even start? Is he a starting caliber on another team? Are you asking that, or is it rhetorical? If you're asking it, I do think Evan could start for other teams in the NBA. I think the problem is when when Evan has to be a primary scorer, that's an issue. I think we can keep going on and on about Evan Fournier. The reality is, is that um, we, we definitely need a, a go-to type player that is comfortable and is reliable to go in there and drop you know, 20, 25 points a night, a night with, with a blink in the, with a blink of an eye and whatnot. But you know, we're, it's just something that we're going to have to agree to disagree. No. Yeah. I 100% agree. Um, which is funny. I'm agreeing to disagree about you're agreeing to disagree. So we're good. <laughs> All right. So let's jump into the, the week ahead. So Friday we have, um, Sixers Sunday. We got the Celtics Tuesday against the Nets Thursday against the Pelicans guys. We need one more win to be able to, um, you know, solidify our playoff berth. Um, what do you guys see for the next four games? Um, I think, I think Orlando does well against the 76ers, right? Because we just found out Ben Simmons is out indefinitely with a with an injury of his knee as well. The Celtics matchup is going to be tough. Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum are are monsters at this point. Um. And then Tuesday against the Nets, I think that's another game that we win. Uh, and I, I think the Pelicans look super beatable right now. So I think we can go 3-1 and one to finish it out. Um, tough games. I think as we can, we know again, two, two really good teams in, in, in Philly, Celtics. Then we got a big game against the Nets. If we're really going to go for the seventh seed, you got to win that game. And the Pelicans by then might be eliminated yeah. from playoff contention if that's the case they might not be playing 100 percent, and it might just want to play some of the the bench guys 
So I think the last two games we win, uh, but the next two are going to be tough. Um, I do think we find a way to be either Boston or Philly, um, and we end up the week, like Justin said, 3-1. and one. Uh, Man, I, I can't. I honestly, even with Ben Simmons out, just the way that we're struggling, I'm going to go with a loss against the Sixers, a loss against the Celtics, which you know breaks my heart to say, but that puts us in a four-game losing streak. But then I'm going to say a win against the Nets and then a win against the Pelicans. I think the Pelicans, out of the teams that I just mentioned, I think they might actually be the toughest team um, that we played throughout this whole entire um, eight-game uh, restart of the season. So I, I'm still going to say a win against the Pelicans. I'm going to go two out of, out of the four um, and then jump into the playoffs. So just to close it out, what are your final thoughts? Final thoughts have to do, I don't know if you guys, I think we shared it with, with us here in the recording the podcast. Uh, the Mo Bamba news just came out, um, and we can see now why he's not getting minutes. The conditioning level is not there due to the fact that uh, he's been dealing with some uh, issues with COVID, um, and then on top of that, some um, some tests that have come out as, as positive. Um, so there's, there's some stuff going on with Mo has kept him off the court uh, practice, and, and that's why we're not seeing him play. That makes a little more sense now. Uh, we're hoping that he recovers soon, that he's able to join his teammates in practice and, and, and you know, hopefully join us by the time the playoffs start. Because um, as much as I like what Karen Birch brings to this team, you cannot say, you know, that, that Mo Bamba cannot give us anything. Uh, he can stretch the floor from us. He can provide us some rim protection. Um, so I do hope that we can see Mo on the court um, before the, uh, the playoffs start, if not at least in the playoffs. Yeah, so I think um, some of the points that the article highlighted that were important was, so it does say that Bamba was um, COVID positive in June and that the illness temporarily robbed him of his sense of smell, taste, made him uh, unusually fatigued and caused muscle soreness. All of those things could obviously contribute to his less than stellar play since returning um, with the Magic. But there's, you know, he he was struggling before then. So it's kind of hard to say specifically COVID is the reason why Mo Bamba is struggling. Um, It's good that, you know, he's he's getting healthy again. Obviously, uh, we want all of the guys here to to remain healthy. Um, And it sucks that he did get COVID. Uh, It'll be interesting to see how he progresses, you know, his conditioning progresses as the, the play continues. Yeah, for me, it's next man up. You know, we're definitely getting hit by the, the injury bug. So, you know, I'm looking to see what we get out of Wesley Wandu, Gary Clark, um, and, you know, hopefully see them kind of step up and and really con- contribute for us because we're really going to need their their defense and, and their shooting. So it's I'm excited to see how this kind of rolls out with – um, without MCW and and see how long um, it takes for AG to kind of get back in there and and start playing again. So good episode, guys. It's it's uh, going to be exciting to see what we get out of these guys and and we'll close it out with that. Thanks for listening and peace. Thank you for listening to the Ozone Podcast, the voice of Magic fans. Be sure to visit our website, theozonepod.com. And remember to subscribe, rate, and leave a review on all your favorite podcast listening platforms.